0: I, I yelled to you guys, come on, faster, you can do it. I mean, I mean, I love it. I mean, I love it, this pain. Well, you heard him, folks, Spartacus
1: himself. Jens and I know him as the Swiss bear or just Fabs. But today, Fabian Concellera joins us on Bobby and Jens. Okay, Fabian, um, I would say it's been a long time, but it really hasn't. It's only been a couple of days since we saw each other in Flanders during the tour of Flanders and yeah, I'm sure it wasn't a big deal for you, man, but they never let me even close to the cobbled classics when I was racing. So I was soaking it all in. I got to ride the cobblestones. I got to sit with you and hear your critique of the race as it was happening, as those guys were coming by us on, uh, you know, I think it was the second lap when you were sitting there with us. But man, oh man, thank you for that time. And thank you for joining us today on Bobby and Jens.
0: No problem, guys. For me, it was also a pleasure. I mean, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys together now. But I think we have to make it next year clear that also Jens is going to come over because I mean, it's always special. And, and of course, Bobby, you explored it now, uh, the first time ever. But I think even you go a second time and Yenzi will join, you will have the same amount of time of positivity and, and this mood because it's always different and it's always special. It's always unique. And I mean, you go to, you go to Flanders, in, into Belgium, Flanders, into a small region of craziness. And this is, I mean, this is unique. You can do Paris-Roubaix, you can do Liège, you can do the Tour de France. But what you have explored there, it's, I must definitely say, unique. And for me, after so many years, I have been back there as well. So it was for me also really, really special to be at the race again.
2: I can't wait to do another trip with you guys next year. This year I couldn't go because I already committed to do the Berlin Half Marathon on the same Sunday. But um, also, I only did Flanders twice as an athlete, so I haven't been there forever, and I would love to see it from the spectator side of you. So next year, I'm in French fries, Belgian beer, and watching the race. It's gotta be awesome, Bobby. I think
0: you can. I mean, you can talk for hour. I mean, already. At Friday evening, I mean, the way you talked, and then Saturday, what happened as an experience riding those cobbles, riding those uphill climbs and, and with cobbles, non-cobbles, left, right, wind, cold, and thousands of people on the road. But then Sunday, just completely different because we know how much pain we had when we went uphill. But now as as living, I mean, as being at the edge and kind of as... Being there, having a beer in the hand and watching the race, I mean, it has had a good feeling, right, Bobby?
1: Oh, it had a great feeling, especially after two or three or four, or maybe more of those, uh, those beers. But let's break it down to brass tacks, because you, you have a talent, and that talent is riding on cobblestones. So no, now that I feel that I'm uh, an experienced cobblestone rider, you don't need to answer <laughs> this for me. But maybe for our listeners, what is the trick, or what is your trick to riding on the cobblestones?
0: Mm, the problem is there is no trick. I mean, I'm I'm sitting on the bike, pushing the pedals, and then going. When I go, I go. Bobby, it's simple. I mean, I mean, Yenzi, I mean, both you you know, I mean you have explored that as well. But it's not it's not Paris Roubaix where we talk about having the bike, then the tires, and then the cadence, and then um, the certain speed, the certain feeling how you how you ride with your bike on the cobbles. I mean, Flanders it is for especially for the listeners that are non non experienced guys on cobbles. I mean, everyone talks about Paris Roubaix because it's the most famous one day race in my opinion. And also the most special one but for me it's even more Flanders special because the race is special and not just riding over the cobbles Bobby because that's also what we might have to talk about because you have this one country this one region everyone stands still for that one race and they are cheering it's left it's right it's uphill it's downhill it's flat you have cobbles you have non-cobbles and of course when you have power in your legs and of course, you need a lot, a lot of power. It's not about how good you are on climbs because it's this ability that when you push, that you not push into the dead because when you push, it's like and you accelerate, you have to have a certain cadence, then you need to sit on your bike and not just to stand out because it might doesn't, that the power you push, that this goes to your cranks and then of course, on your chain and then on your wheel because that's the whole thing because you need what you push to bring on the road but if guys sorry guys but if you have too much air in your tires you jump around if you have not enough tire pressure you might not even go forward because you you, you make a snake bite that's why i think it's a combination of various thing But of course, Bobby and Jens, if you go over uh, Koppenberg, Quartermont, Paterberg, whatever, which one those climbs is, you need to have power. I mean, with no power, we know what it's going to go backwards.
2: Okay, then, Fabian, give us the magic number. What is the right tire pressure? Or go a little bit further. What's the right tire size? 28 millimeters, 25, 30, and what's the right tire pressure (laughs) for our listeners?
0: Um today I definitely recommend 20 28 tire pressure. Definitely, I mean for Flanders um, and and this definitely works out really really well. But if you go with a 26 tire, guys, it's harder because you have just less less comfort. Because I mean today 28 tubeless, perfect. If you ride Roubaix, they, I mean I rode Roubaix with 28 tires. So today they told me, I mean, on, on, on the weekend especially, that the Roubaix, there will be riders riding with a 30 tire, or even if the clearance will allow from the different bike providers, a 32. And they ride a 32, even it's less aerodynamic, but here comes the trick. It's more comfort. And so if you ride over the cobbles, with a 32 tire, it means you ride like with a mountain bike over a over a highway. So you're gonna be faster. And it's not anymore jumping around and and having all those those. I mean, I don't know, Bobby, your arms. I mean, I guess your arms for the first time have been quite in pain. But now with 32 tires, I mean it's riding like a small highway again, because you have less I mean you have less i mean you have more traction you have more everything that doesn't hurt your body so it has become i don't say easier those bike races will be never ever easier but i mean you ride with less power smoother through the couples because you have just with i mean 28 tires might five bar i don't know it's i don't know how much is in in in, in your um your world but five bar 4.8 5.2 as i mean depends a bit your weight i can tell you in flanders it was different than in roubaix because in roubaix on the end you start with 5.6 but that's with the 30 or the 28 tire tubular but that's what i'm saying two different races but i think the real real race it is flanders with all his difficulties that this race has because you need to have always that you have certain cobble section that are flat, hard, uphill hard, or uphill a bit easier, and and then you have a small downhill. So it's these variations of what you have in this race. And that's why for me, this race is is more than special because you ride after 260 kilometers, you ride up this Paterberg, 20 more percent of gradients, and you ride it on cobbles. So if you, if you not have enough power left, then, like I said, it's backwards because it's so hard. And, and you have seen it in television that how much people have suffered there. And that's why save the energy for riding full gas over those cobbles when it's needed or when you can.
1: Well, let me be very clear. We did the 144 kilometer edition of the, the Grand Fondo. So, A, it wasn't 279 or whatever the guys did and B, it was at our own pace. But Stuart O'Grady, who we forgot to mention, was also with us uh, over the weekend. On our little text thread, when I said, how do you ride these cobbles, he just goes, just go as hard as you can into the section as long as you can. So that was in the back of my mind. But I totally agree with you that, you know, riding on the cobbles, you know, faster, smoother, get all your energy moving forward. But the one thing that blew me away, because remember, we're following the race course for the first time, and we have a little profile sticker on our top tube. We kind of know what's coming up, but sitting there with you uh, during the race and watching it on TV, and you knew the climb, you knew the two or three different entrances to the climb, but... It seems so crucial and critical to know every inch of the road. How long did it take you to that, have that level of comprehension and comfort in in, you know, the parkour of that year? And, you know, it must have taken years and years and years, but how do you how do you remember all these things in the races? Is it just an accumulation of stuff or do you guys go out and recon and then study course maps? Because your level of comprehension was something that i've never never seen or heard before
0: um what's definitely is the case i mean uh you have different flanders parkour so far as well to look into it because i mean i have one um yeah i have won one flanders on the old on the old race where we finished uh, in Ninove after the Mür van gerardsbergen and bosberg and this was this classic For many, many years, it was that, that was the the race. So then it has changed and then they had had another, another race, another finish. Uh, You had to do a different one, different climbs in different ways to come to those climbs. And now on the weekend, it has been one of the longest races ever, 275 kilometers. They started in Antwerp and not in Bruges. So you see, there are variations of years where you had different kind of a parkour, but... I mean, you know them blind. I mean, I still know if, if I have to race on those roads, I know exactly which traffic divider, if it's left, if it's right, a small uh, left uphill, whatever, which, where it is. I mean, you know, even um, if there are small, stone, <coughs> small stones on the road, I mean, it is a recon ride for sure, but you do also pre-races before Flanders, and I think I got memorized just through, through the races, that's one thing, but of course you have the race map and then you have the race radio as well that is a bit supportive, but of course, even without race radio, you need to know where to go. And so it is in advance, you know a bit of that, but I think, I mean, for me, it was just normal to know where we go because I mean, I get used to, to that. Because you remember every corner that comes, you might need to be ready. If it's in the front to be, or if it's just to be at the right place for the right moment.
2: So now, before you had these two weeks, Sunday to Sunday. Now we have the Amstel Gold race in between. What is your opinion on this? Does it make it easier? People can recover between Flanders and then race in Roubaix? Or will the same rider do all three of these races? Will he take a weekend off? Well, what do you think? How are they going to approach Roubaix now, after they have finished Flanders? And it's two weeks, and not only one week.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, this is a special year that this is going to happen because of the French election. That's, that's because the case is that they changed the races. Because normally you do uh, Flanders, then you do Scheldeprace, then you do Roubaix, then we have Brabant, Pale. Um, and then you have Amstel, that has been the normal approach to those races. Now it's just Flanders, Praise, Amstel, and then you have Brabants and then you have Roubaix. So, what I think, I might still, as a rider, if I would ride, I will still do Amstel. I think because it's a race that suits on the other hand because you have no couples, but it's a damn hard race, so every hard race helps, Because I have seen Matt Pedersen riding Circuit de la Sarthe. I mean, but you don't go to the Pays Basque when you do do Amstel. So, I mean, I see as as an example, Mark Hirschi, he rides Amstel Gold Race. So he's not in Pays Basque. So you need to calculate also your planning, how you're going to do, because after Amstel, there is two weeks to go to Liège. So that's why I think it's, variations and combinations that of course that the riders talk to the trainers and mentally I think I mean I mean mentally it doesn't kill you because when you had good results then of course it supports you and a guy like Wout van Aert that has been sick he might have still a chance to come back for Roubaix uh, maybe some of the riders has already had the peak in Flanders and so maybe they were dropping down so we're gonna have a new special I don't say audience, but we're gonna have a new way of new riders maybe that just coming differently fresh to Roubaix in I mean like in more in almost two weeks. I mean when you see Flanders to to, to Roubaix is two weeks. And then also in terms of reconnaissance to to see the parkour normally the, the mostly of the teams went Wednesday they did shelter price and then Thursday they went on the cobbles to do 80-90 uh, kilometers recon ride then they went to France or they stayed in France and have done Roubaix so now it's also logistic wise is different but of course I mean logistic shouldn't be a problem for the bike riders but of course for me that has been always accurate and always had to have this system that always was the same I mean for one year it's a big change but I think I mean it's just great for, for, for all the cyclists. They're going to watch all those races because it's just a small change, but you never know. It can have a big influence on those races, and I think that's cool for us.
1: Well, talking about what's cool for us, it, you know, we Flanders over the weekend, you know, we have two very exciting riders. Wout, unfortunately, was out, or we probably would have had three in that front group. You know, back in your day, you know, it was you and Tom. And, you know, amongst others, of course. But we had Johan Museu on recently. And to paraphrase what he said, so I'm not quoting him. It was something like, if you win Flanders one time, you're a good rider. If you win it two times, you're a great rider. Three times, you're a legend. And you're one of those legends. You've won Flanders three times. But there is a certain rider by the name of Matteo Vanderpol." who has already won it twice out of four <laughs> participations. So he got fourth, then he won, then he got second, and then he won again. And he's only 27 years old. Do you think someone like him can be the first to, to four, five, six victories in in Flanders? I mean, before now, that seems almost unattainable. I mean, you attained it. Muzé, obtained it. Um, I'm sure you could fill me in on the other guys that won three Flanders. I'm sure Eddie Merckx did as well. But um, what what does the future hold for Matteo Vanderpol? Um, yeah, I think
0: we have to. I mean, he can win four times, maybe five. I don't know how long lasts his motivation for that, because of course, I mean, it's it's never easier the more you win, but. I mean, what is definitely also clear that um, I don't say cycling has changed, but we have seen now a generation change. And this is what we have to talk about and to see in. I mean, I won Flanders in 2010. It took me almost nine and a half years after I had become professional. I won in 2006, I won Paris-Roubaix as my first ever uh, monument. And it took me four years to win Flanders. So I don't know if I needed more experience or just the whole peloton was just so strong that I had difficulty to reach a certain condition or a certain top condition to be as good as the other. But I think, I mean, it's just clear that all the youngsters now are killing and just killing the others. I mean, it's so simple. I mean, have you seen any old guy in the front in the last few years? No, they are all youngsters. I mean, uh, nothing against the older ones, but if you see like a a good example is Greg van Abelmaat. And and for sure, I would love that he could win Flanders. I mean, he tried it for years and years, but he's at this age where it might be almost impossible because the young ones, I mean, the young ones are just different. and, And I think... Um, Jensi was riding still at forty, right, Yenzi? Correct. Uh, Philippe Gilbert is still riding, and I don't think they are they are better. It's just the generation is different, and that's why things has changed. Because I mean, at our times, we have been the strongest on on our years, and and we had never a young rider that has been like, wow. I mean. I have been passing professionals after half a year riding under-23. Filippo Pozzato was the first time ever in history of cycling that he passed from juniors to the professionals. And today, if you're a junior and you do some good results, you're passing straight away into a World Tour team and making the life of the others hard or difficult. And, and that's why. I mean, this is a huge change. And of course do they will last with 19, 20 years until to 35 years? I don't know. I mean, cycling has become tougher, more difficult in terms of living life, having fun still what you do because they're living on the kind of robots. But of course, it's nothing to blame. It's just, um, it's just like how it is. But I think um, I have been lucky to riding through the years I have been riding it and I'm happy for the boys. They are now kicking some asses to, to all the others. Because when you see Pogacar, you see Mati Van der Poel, I mean, and there's heaps of other youngsters that we say, wow, how old he is. Oh, he's so young. And he does already so good. That means that those trainings and preparation things has changed. And I think that's nothing bad. And that's why. And um, all of those riders, we don't know if, if Pogacar can win seven Tour de France, I don't know, I mean, he comes to Flanders first time ever and he arrives second, he almost win that race. race, can you imagine, a Tour de France rider comes the first time and that's why I think those guys are talented bike riders and dedicated to what they do and what is important, guys, I think they think less and they just go. Because when you get older, and now it's advice, advice from an old guy. <laughs> when you get older, you just think more. Because you might have a family, might have other things around. You, you are an experienced adult. You, you know how systems are going in the world of sports marketing, about all the organizations. But a young guy, he doesn't think, he just go. He's, he's as cold as, I don't, can't say that word, but he's just... Wanna kick some asses and have fun on the bike and and, and and just attack the other. That's the thing. I mean, hey guys, they attacked on hundred kilometers to go to on some races. In Flanders it was 18 70, 80 kilometers to go. They already went into the attacks. I mean, no, at, at our time it was just much later. But of course it was a different different way of racing.
2: I must say that now we just talked about all these Wunder kids, these miracle children.
0: Yenzi. Um, I, I, oh, they are not miracles. I don't think they are miracles anymore. It has been that they have been kind of these miracle kids. But right now, when they talk about Pogacar and Evenepol I mean, they have been these miracle kids. But honestly, we have heaps of those miracle kids we have more than just those two. They might not win straight away like that, but really nice results they're showing, and, and I think this is, that's why we have super youngsters coming up, and that's why Yenzi. I mean, it's not about only miracle kids, especially these two that have been in the front. I think it's a general thing, and, and, and I think it's good. It's good.
2: Definitely, it's good. And Tadej Pogacar, I believe he has a bright future and a long future. I was actually pointing at people like Tom Pitcock, Matthew van der Poel, or Wout van Aert. Some of them did last year's Tour de France, went to the Olympics, then did the cyclocross season, and straight into the classic season. I mean, there's only one buddy to do Olympics, Tour de France, the Vuelta, um, the cyclocross season. And um, I think they have to decide one day soon if they wanna become five times cyclocross world champion or five times on the road world champion because they are young, talented, they work hard, they train hard. But I I don't know, and we can see it. Wout now is sick. Matthew van der Poel had the back problem. Tom Pitcock had to take some time off. Maybe they see the first signs that their body also signals, hey, look, I'm just human. I cannot go full gas for six or eight or 10 months. Well, what do you think on that?
0: Um, I think um, when you're really young, it's nice you can do many different things. Even you can ride on the track. I mean, look at Filippo Ganna. I mean, he's an example as well when it comes to time trials. I mean, or even on, on Sanremo or, or, or Roubaix. I mean, he has the ability that he could race those races and, and do some great things. But I think he has to quit the track. And, and when it comes to Tom Pitcock... And, 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 and even today or, or even who else, I mean, about one day, one day your body will respond and say stop. If not, I always say there is someone up, up in the air watching us that you might do a mistake. If it's not, if it's not you crash or a certain fatigue, It is because you hit something. And this hit can be that you might get a small collarbone. It might you get a back problem or a small thickness before a race, because someone said, stop now. And then you have to learn on that because of course, Mathieu never had problems in his whole career with crashes, with problems and so on, but he wanted to have that title at the Olympics so much that maybe someone up in the air said, look, Chicho, now is the time you recover. So this stupid crash that came at the Olympics, this was might be this milliseconds of not having the right detailed preparation to that change with that small uh, bump that was there, that he did the Salto Mortale, that has caused all the problems now until the whole full winter that he took time off. But it's not only time off for your body. What I think, it's also time off for your mind. Because those kids, they come up to the recycling world, they win straight away, and they don't win just small uh, criterion, They win the big ones. And the bigger the races are, as earlier money will come, new contracts, attention, sponsors, press, and everyone around you and there are kids and I mean if I give everything like that to my kids, they struggling they cannot live with that. they need to first learn on that and that's why I think some of the kids has won everything too early. they're just too cool on that and then maybe you get hit by a crash, by sickness and whatever and then hey hey, make three gears back, relax, recover, And not just, yeah, yeah, ah, no, no, no. It's not about recovering fast because I have had own situations where I can be happy. When I look back that the crash at the Olympic Games in in, in London, for sure, it's a hard one. But I was, now I can say happy to that. I had other beautiful years of amazing years of victories and nice results. I mean, there have been other years where I had also troubles where it helped me to when everything went down or you went or you've been down and to to come back up again and work hard on you and not just living in this flow. And that's why I think nothing can go easy. Not, you cannot live always with this flow. I don't know you guys, if you had also certain crashes that said, damn, I need to think about now. It's not just about thinking the next race and and uh, having all that. And, and I think this is just the normal way that, I believe that your body will respond. But I think, I mean, I don't know if you believe in God or whatever, but I think there is someone and and if it's God or Buddha or whatever, what the hell it is, it's not about that. It's just, I believe there is someone watching us and whatever will go, you get hit by something. And this is actually where you need to make a step back and say, okay, I think that's why might be the reason. And then you need to recover and then you can come back. And you need to work hard on that. And then you come back. But you cannot do mountain bike, track, uh, road racing. And, and, of course, all those trainings has been changed. But still, I mean, it's not anymore about 30,000 kilometers. You, do the, you just do less kilometers but more intense. But still, we know how much pain-intense training it is. And that's why today there's no easy races anymore. The first race of the season from two down under until to the last race, In whatever, which world, place that is, it's always full gas. Full gas.
1: 100%. And maybe it's just three old guys sitting here talking about, I I was a pro for 16 years. Um, I'm sure you guys were somewhat similar. But the longevity years compared to the quality years, um, maybe the young guys have it figured out. Like, hey, man, I'm going to ride this wave all the way to the beach. The contract money that these guys are making right now is stuff that we could have only dreamed of, let alone the the Merck's era, the Indoran era, like pennies on the dollar compared. To, so, you know, maybe maybe they know a little bit more than they we think we know. And why measure the success of a writer's career? over 15 or 20 years when it could be super exciting like it is now for five or eight years. We'll be back after this short break. One other thing, you know, we we touched on the classics, but the other thing that comes to mind when you hear the name Fabian Conchalera is one of the, if not the best, individual time trialists of all time. I mean, you won two time the junior uh championship at the world championships four time as an elite you won two times in the olympics um not to mention all the other i mean you won the tour de france prologue in liege in london monaco rotterdam and i think again in liege plus so many more prologues uh, around the world for our listeners you know, you told us a little bit of the art of riding on the on the cobblestones, but what is the art behind the time trial, in your opinion? I mean, I don't know if we'll get ever have anyone else on the podcast that has more experience than you. Um, oh, thank you,
0: Bobby. I mean, what is, what is the art of it? I think what I liked a lot about time trialing is this, I don't say this individualism, but this being on the bike, Then the bike is completely different to a road bike. I mean, you have the disc wheel, you have the position. I mean, the dedication, the preparation, the details, uh, the aero expectation, the aero ways, I mean, the helmet, the suit, and, and you are at the start line, five, four, three, two, one, go. And then you and your mind, the mind, you and the bike, you are there and you just push pedals. And, and of course, after certain minutes, I mean, you. I don't say you have pain because this pain you need to calculate in terms of how much you push. But of course, it's learnings for, for many, many years that, uh, that I had that I learned to use not just the power control to see how much watts I was pushing because I was more orientated on speed because I love to go fast. And not 60, 70 K an hour because this you cannot hold for long because it's a mix between threshold, it's a mix between you, uh, it's it's a mix between also the mental ways to when the pain comes. And, and of course there are a moment where pain will come because you produce more acid than before and then somewhere it might be over. And, and that's why I think, I mean, if you go 50k an hour and then um, you want to do it by yourself, but of course with the race radio and the support from the car and it tells you, hey, come on, you can go, come on, you can do it, go 50.5 and and then you go 50.5 kilometers an hour and then you reach that and say, hey, I can go even 51 and then you try to go on 51 and of course your power goes up. But sometimes even the power goes up, it might be that, For some of the riders, that makes turbulence in their heads. No, 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 I can't push 10 watts more because if I push 10 watts more, then maybe in two kilometers, I'm just producing too much acid. I think I just try to go always faster. And of course, as shorter the time trial it was, a bigger beast I have been and as faster I want to go in corners, in flats, in whatever, which kind of situation that I've come that on the end yeah, I mean, it's you, it's the machine, it's 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 t- riding against the clock. It's not just your concurrences around you, it's just the clock. You want it to be the best against the clock to have the fastest time.
2: You know, Fabian, <clears throat> I had the honor to be a team member with you and we did a few team time trials together. And those were the best moments, but the most terrifying moments in my entire career. Like, you were the number one time trialist of our generation. And on the morning of a team time trial with you, you know, I could see when you step on your bike for a warm-up, I could see, oh my God, he's in good shape. We are so in trouble. Before a team time trial with you, I would look up in the sky and go, Thank you God for giving me the chance and the honor to be a team member of (laughs) and I would look straight down into hell and Yelling at the devil. Why you gonna put so much pain on me? Why do you put so much pressure on me? It was fantastic, but it was killing me I was so nervous before these days because I want to be the best I can for you And no, thank you Were you ever nervous
0: nervous before a team time trial? No, I think, I mean, I can now also joking around and say I was only nervous if I had other good ones that could hold a certain speed that they're going to put out. But no, listen, it's just a joke. No, I think for me, I have never been nervous because I knew it that I can be as strong as I want. I don't will make the difference because if I ride like an ego, I destroy the team. So when you come to team time trial, I mean, they always told me, look, don't go faster. And this is, we learned a lot from Mr. O'Grady because he was he was actually the guy that said always, look, we have to hold 56, but for the full time of the time team turn trail and not we go 60, then 50, and then 16, then 50. So what I learned straight away is to keep the certain pace for if we have been eight riders. So for the seven riders, we have to keep a certain speed. And that's why, might sometimes i just pushed instead of 10 seconds leading in the front they just told me go 40 seconds so i i kept just going for longer that the others could recover on the back and then so we reached as a team we could reach victories and amazing results towards for for what we want to achieve on the gc on the gc classment and of course sometimes i like it also when i felt okay i'm on the back i can recover now a bit then I come to the front and now I can give like like a one kilometer or even a few hundred meters of a lead out in the front to pull and help the team. I mean, for me, it was always helping the team to get the best out of it. And this is also what I transmit into when I ride it alone, that when you go fast, of course, it's painful, Jens, but somehow it's also enjoying when you know that you 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 get something out and on a team charm trial I I mean you can remember both. I, I yelled to you guys, come on faster, you can do it. I mean I mean I love it. I mean I love it this pain. I love it that that way things has gone because I knew that you guys been kind of nervous or kind of like you said shocked, but on the other hand I tried always to be relaxed with you that everyone gets his chance to pull us in the front that Because I said, I need you as well, like you need me. So it's a team, a team effort on a team time trial. I think it's a beauty. And if you reach something like this and you can win, and um, I mean, I always love it to do that. I love those time trials. But of course, I explained before guys, when you win so much, you start to might lose this attention on details. when we've been together and I think Bobby, you've been a bit shorter with me, but Yenzi has a bit longer. I mean, at the beginning of my career, I came, I won everything and I was motivated. I trained like hell at home three times a week on the TT bike, two times. I did three, four hours on the TT bike. I, I trained, I did my warm ups specific perfectly. And then by the years I won every single thing that has been named by a prologue or a time trial. Worlds, Olympics, and then slowly, slowly, ah, come on. I, I just do a, ah, te, instead of half an hour warm up, ah, I can do even 15 minutes warm up and then still you win by 10 seconds. Ah, I can do even a 10 minutes warm up by a prologue and you still win. I mean, I start to do everything less as a preparation. I have become less detailed. To the details. Ah, come on, yeah, give me this bike. Ah, yeah, oh, it's okay. Ah, the helmet, ah come and give me just a helmet. Ah, the tires, whatever. Ah, I don't even train at home anymore by the last years. And then I lost a bit this motivation of um, this. Not conf- it's not about confidence, but it is the will to train for it. My will went away for that that um, yeah, that, that it, it doesn't have given me any more the same when I have won a prologue. Okay, cool. But if I have won at the same time, a one-day race, I was more happy because I reached something more and I found new motivations and new satisfactions because I was full. I mean, it's like being full when your belly is full, when your stomach is full and I was just full of victories, full of fatigue. Of this, of this focus and concentration that you have to give for 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 time trials, and that's why I started to—I don't say stopping in, but just to do no focus anymore on time trials—and then then I went on the on on the one-day races, and then, like I said, uh, I won Flanders and other many beauty races on the one-day side, and and this has given me um, also something special on 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 my. I think on my, um, yeah, on, on my way of races that I have won. And then I came to the 2016 year where it was my last year. And I think the combination of my huge experience on so many races I have won and so many details I was looking into. And I mean, I had in all those time trials, a new bike, something special, something cool, something new, but the last time trial was actually the opposite. I haven't changed so much, no special bike, no special treatment, some specific training. But because I have found this small fire back for just a short amount of time, and this combination might has helped me on the end to retire from sport with the Olympic gold medal at the Olympic Games in Rio. But when we see in between the huge motivation, the huge years of many, many wins, and then the gap... That you change the focus on trainings towards more to the one day races has given me also one day races successes. And it's also, I mean, there have been other riders also coming. I mean, there was Tony Martin, Bradley Wiggins has been my, how called my, um, it's not enemies, but my concurrence is on those races when it comes to time trials. And then when we see now, we have we have Filippo Ganna that uh, goes against Tom Dumoulin or, or Roglic or many others. And so it's also when things come, it's not, I said after my fourth win, I said, no, I don't going to do any more world championship. I still said, I still love to ride kind of. And I also still show that even you don't win, you can still do something. And they reached, uh, I think, two bronze medals uh, on the the world championship. And this also is nice when you win them. I mean, you win a medal without preparation that you know that you have done. And and that's also something that it's nice. But of course, I measured myself by wins and not just by being second or third. And that's why those changes, motivations, goals, because when you win six, when you win three, two, the Frances. I mean, hey, Damn, it's it's such a bloody hard work. And on time trials, only specific on that, I mean, you know, guys, how hard it is to train at home, go out and, and doing like 10 three times, 10 minutes all out uh, training uh, rides on your GT bike. I mean, it's bloody hard because you're alone. There's no one around cheering you. There's no warm up. There is no... Uh, everything prepared ready and then you come to this race and that's why i love it almost in the morning this one hour ride then you have this this uh, the pasta or the rice and then you went for a small nap and then you start to mentally get ready also for that race and then you do some auto gain training i mean mental training that's something i did also a lot of times like visualing or visualizing the race, the way you can do it, the way the corners are, like the skiers are doing when they do the downhills, and and so I use those to the mental expectation in terms of I had a coach, I uh, did some mental training, and and I tell you, it's it's all helped me in various situations, but when you can't go fifty-five kilometers an hour on a flat road, I mean, well, I'm I'm gonna. I'm
1: going to stop you there because you just took about five or six of the questions that I was going to have and already <laughs> spoke about them. So, you know, your, your talk, you, you were a champion and a lot of people think that it just came easy. You know, that guys like you, guys like Tade, um, Lance, you know, th- the names go on and on, but you guys have had your, your shares of ups and downs, motivation. And I always saw over the years that you, you were like on full gas or off. And the challenge is, you know, you mentioned that, that I got to ride with you, but then I also got to work with you from the other side of the barriers. I saw, and please don't take this personally, because I think it's important that people understand that even Fabian Conchalara sometimes had problems with confidence and sometimes maybe with insecurity. And I'm not saying that in a bad way because I think every human being has those challenges. You had the ability to turn that around almost overnight sometimes. Because- Over hours,
0: over hours. Over
1: over hours, yeah, and you know, got a, a few examples of that, but not to go back a little bit, but confidence. I I really believe that there's those key ways to prime your confidence. You know, you got the preparation, that breeds that confidence. You got the mental skills that you were talking about, that reinforces the confidence. Mm -hmm. You got adversity, right? Everybody has their ups and downs, but that ingrains that confidence. The support that you were talking about with your bikes and your coaches, you know, that, that really bolsters your confidence. But the one thing that matters, and the, people can be as confident as they want, but it, the most important thing is having success, and success validates that confidence. And sometimes, even you, I would be like, man, Fabian is a little down, he's a little insecure, he's, you know his confidence isn't up. But then you were able to find that light switch and switch it back on. And um, I just think that it's very important that our listeners know that it wasn't all ups for even someone like you, Fabian, that you had to fight and you stuck it through. And to win your final race in 2016 at the Olympics and walk off into the sunset as Olympic champion, I'm sorry, that's a drop the mic sort of moment. Um, But tell us a little bit more about that Olympic experience because let's face it, you were not the big favorite going into that.
0: Not at all. I mean, yeah, you, you explained it, I think, uh, really wisely that, that the listeners are, are understanding, not just like when I'm talking about how beautiful it is and how nice it was, but I think, of course, there's always the two sides and um, if you have confidence. and But, of course, successes are helping you definitely. And, I mean, I needed as much as I was on top I needed as much as also being not flop, but just just down. So that was me, all or nothing, if not, then just no. And, and that's why also when it came to two sixteen, I mean, the focus wasn't so much on time trials because uh, for me the focus was more just, I mean, also enjoying the year and, and still being focused to perform because I said, even it's the last race, I want to have fun, I want to enjoy. But I want to have success. I mean, I, I wrote for success and not for just riding in the bunch and waving, shaking and, and having just good time and, and creating a new business around. So, um, and then also when it came to, to preparations uh, for the for the Olympics, I mean, I did the Tour de France and I can tell you when I left the Tour, I left it earlier than usually because uh, at the time Luca Guarcellena said, hey, a a rider like you, you need to finish the Tour de France. I mean, this is kind of a bit normal that you finish the tour to respect a bit the race, but also you can always say, look, I did my last tour. I arrived to Paris, but I tell you guys, it it doesn't has felt right in my gut feeling. My gut feeling told me Fabian, leave the tour in Bern, like after the rest day, leave it out from Switzerland so that you come with the tour to Switzerland, to your region. And then you ride the one stage out of, of Bern to the Swiss-French kind of border. And then this is the stage where you end your story with the tour. And I tell you, I mean, I left the tour with, with big tears with big tears and I went home, I almost slept for three days, many, many of hours because emotionally Mm -hmm. that race has given me so much but it has also taken me so much. And I think when I watched by the end of all this what I talked and and also when Luca Guercerina came to my home for all those motor pacing we have started, I tell you, we did specific training Yes, because it was requested to do. Because I said, if I leave a bit early the tour, I can still do a bit of specific training. So my body is a bit fresher. Instead of riding the full tour and then go straight to the Olympics, then there's no time for a small preparation for training. And I tell you, the first training he came, behind the motorbike, I did my exercises outside and, and on a on small course we had, he calls me in the evening and he said, Fabian, we need to show, we need to see each other. Yeah, okay, no problem. Is there something? No, no, I need to, we need to talk. He came, he showed me the data of the training. And he said to me, look, this is not about making top 10 or top five. We have potential possibility for an Olympic medal. And they said, no, no, <laughs> Luca, come on. <laughs> no way. And then he has shown me, the data of this training file compared all the other races and trainings I have done in my, I don't know how many years we have all recorded files. And he showed me that I was in really good shape. And they said, no, come on, you changed numbers and you want to give me confidence. Look, those numbers are not lying. And then there was one minute of silence. And in this one minute of silence in my head, it made like, Click, 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 click. And this switched from off to on. Like this moment, like you told me, Bobby, before, or you, you heard it before, or I'm off or on. I think I forget everything around me. I didn't even thought about, ah, oh, I don't have a special bike and I want to have a special paint job for the Olympic Games. It's my last one and we want to show off something cool. No, simplicity, gut feeling, and Dadas has given me, for those three, four days he was with me on training, a boost that I know people will not believe. But you know what? I don't care because I know what the mental boost can mean. And with gut feeling and Dadas and a certain preparation and also with results from your past, the feelings you had, this combination... Has given me this confidence that first of August, I said to my wife and to the kids at the barbecue before I left for the Olympic Games, I said, "If I'm gonna win, I'm gonna stop my career straight away." They look at me and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And I start to feel, you know, when you start to fatigue turns into be um, how cool boosting your body, like you feel like you have energy back that you have lost because I tell you, I mean, our trainer at the time in Josu said that the Tour de France, I mean, after he said to me, look, at the Tour de France, you almost had no red in your data." I mean, for you, the tour has been easy. Is it? nah, come on, it has been hard. Yeah, hard emotionally, but in real, we had two stages that we had 160 watts average. Can you imagine 160 watts average? Because we went so slow on two stages. And then, he had some stages hard, a bit softer, but I had difficulties with the emotionally situation of not coming anymore to the tour. With saying goodbye to the tour, and I had to work on myself. And that's why this matched things. And then we went to the road race in Rio. And I tell you, Luca told me, ah, just do 140k and then drop out and get ready for the tantra. No, this Swiss dude did the full race. I even helped my teammate to get back in the front after 220K and I was still up there and I finished 15 or 17s. And the thing is, I mean, everyone has, everyone has seen that, that I'm so good, so late still in the front. And this where everything has given me even more confidence. And when your mechanic Roger comes to use it, Fabian, everyone has watched you when we passed you and everyone has watched you when you pedaled up and they see you are getting in shape for the time trial, they are scared. And this all small things on plus around has given me more boosts that I had to realize what I want to reach. 55, now 54 and a half kilometers, focus on myself and not about Tony Martin, Chris Froome, Tom Dumoulin, because in the Tour de France, you might remember, I lost three and a half minutes, I think on the time trial. My wife said, do you really want to go to the Olympic Games? Because they kicked your asses at the time. I said, look, I want to go to the Olympics just to do it because I I can say I did four Olympic Games. That was at the Tour de France. And then 10 days, two weeks later, you are in a bubble, kind of in a tunnel mode that you focus on what you want to do. And there's 54 and a half kilometers to perform. Over an hour, we know it's... Hard, but an hour and 12 minutes and 50 seconds, it's bloody hard. So focus on myself. I cannot tell you guys if I had pain. I cannot tell you because I was so focused and concentrated that I even forget on the home trainer or on the on the warm-up at the Olympic Games that next to our 10th there was a, a generator to creating electricity for, for the event. And Roger Chales told me, when Fabian will come, he gonna freak out. Guys, you know what happened? I came to this place to do warm up. I don't even remember if there was a generator making bloody noise. I don't, I don't remember at all because I was focused and not about this generator because normally Jens, you know exactly how I am. I'm yelling, i'm 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 always arguing about things that I don't like or they're not good. If even the even hotel room is not good, I, I might gonna change it. But at this Olympic Games, I was as simply as a kid can be. I was happy to be there, and but I was focused on what to reach and to to do and not to think on others. And on the end, you come to the finish line and and then, of course, when when the race was over, uh, I mean, I still don't know, like I said, this pain, because mentally, I did everything I could and this confidence and, and and the experience and to will to finish maybe also my career, to close a chapter, to close a book. I mean, after the finish line, I said to Luca Guercilena, let's call John Burke, president of Trek. We're going to tell him it's over and say, no, come on, now enjoy, have fun and, you know, and this and, but for me, it was clear. Um... But it wasn't clear two weeks ago before that event because two weeks ago i can tell you guys i had bloody lot of tears in my eyes i had doubts that there will be a big results because i said i was already happy to go to the olympics and say look if i do a top 10 and this is why you said bobby i wasn't the favorite but a top 10 i can tell you guys i will be also happy because i wasn't in shape but guys I was in shape, but my bloody stupid mind and my confidence was not there, but it has changed. And this is why when it clicks, it clicks. And I know it sounds strange or or crazy when I talk, the way I'm talking, but I think this is just bloody reality. And on the end, I even reached the highest ever power I reached. and, And it shows that everyone has it, but not just in the legs. It's definitely what drives you and what's pushed you, and this comes everything from your mind and from your brain, sorry.
2: So, Fabian, just a quick question. Um, On that day at the Olympics, when did you know you're going to have a good day, right? When you went off the starting ramp or the first split time or the first time uphill? When did you know this is the day, I'm going to be good? Um,
0: Jens, it has been good when I did my training at home where we simulated the one the one kind of the time trial. We simulated a time trial sim- really, really similar to that parkour at the Olympic Games. And I went to all those climbs. You might have seen it as well at the Olympics. I did it on my parkour in Switzerland, but I not went up. On threshold, I had to go full gas, all out. I have never done such a hard training. Mm-hmm. And the thing is the day after, I had in mind that <clears throat> I need to do still six hours because I need to get ready, you know? I mean, I need this confidence to do these hours. And Luca said, no, we do only three hours, but first we do a climb. And if this climb lets you feel good, then we drive home, easy, behind the scooter, all good. I did this one climb. 20 minutes, 470 watts came down. He said to me, And Fabian, how it went? Well, it went good. And this, okay, let's go home. No, 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 we don't go home. We go home. So I trusted him, I trusted all these data things. And this, Jens, this is where it has started, and this is has where I felt day by day stronger and stronger and stronger. And I believe that this has given me. Those days, because on the road race, a few days before, I was already super good, but I wasn't at this pinnacle on top because with the recuperation, uh, the recovery, the proper food, um, um, how calls the proper food for the proper days, the recovery, the, the 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 hours of training and everything behind the scooter, easily like this, this becoming close to this event preparation on on details. Has given me this boot, uh, this, 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 not just motivation, but this power back that every pedal straw have done. I felt like always stronger and better and more destroyable in terms of that this day gonna come. Of course, experienced, you know how you have to do, you have to sleep, you have to eat, you have to do, do massages and certain things that doesn't go to the chiropractic the day before, all sorts of things that I knew t- I need to be as highly professional as always, but with this good feeling and everything was a good feeling. And on the day, like I said, focus on my own, myself, my performance that I want to bring on that day out and not about watching Tony Martin, which kind of gears he has, what Tom Dumoulin, has he still pain or not? not about chris froome about nobody so i was just really really focused that i might have never been so good in that in terms of blinding everything out just me myself because it's like you have a bubble over you and you don't hear anything around you i don't know if you ever had that it's like you have headphones And you have the noise cancelling on and you don't know what's going on around you. So that's the feeling I had for that entire day, honestly. Well, that
1: was your day. Drop the mic, win the Olympics, retire from the sport, close the curtain. We're going to have to close the curtain now because we're out of time. But (laughs) you have to promise me because... There are so many more things we want to talk about. You're going to have to come back on and join us for, for part two, maybe even part three, because I'm going to give you a little homework. I want to know the orange for, for the next episode, and then we're going to cut it off. I want to know of the origins of the Spartacus nickname. I want to know all your projects that you're up to now, because I mean, even having you on the podcast for this long has been a miracle because you're so busy and I know you're tired right now. And you don't have to comment right now, but I have to ask, and I already know the answer because I was on your team. I wanna have a comment, point, end of story, never talk about it again, the whole motor issue that was brought up by David Cassani. So think about that. We'll have you back on, but Fabian, Thank you so much for your time, so much for coming on. Uh, we could have gone on forever, but we got we to cut this up into another episode. So we'll, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: No worry. Thank you, boys. And uh, keep in touch and stay safe. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys um, because you've been also part of, of my career and uh, of those amazing moments that I always looking lovely, lovely back and uh, nice what you're doing and I'm looking forward. To kick your asses again, boys.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Can't wait for that. Fabian, thanks a million for being our guest Yeah, tonight. you're welcome. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Fabian for being our guest.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please give us a five-star review and make sure to share us with your
2: friends. The show was a Value News production in association with Shocked Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Mosser.
1: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Bobby and Jens, and make sure to share your cycling stories with us.